Well, hello everyone. The time has come. It is September 17th. It is our launch of season one of the Sit Down Community Podcast. I'm so excited you're joining and tuning in with us today. My name is Stephanie Shaw. I'm the host of this podcast and I am just praying with great expectation and anticipation that the Lord is going to touch our hearts in new ways through these conversations that we are going to remind ourselves of just the truth that comes from love instead of rightness and wrongness that um, our rooting within the word of God is so um, honoring to God, but also honoring to ourselves as disciples of him. Um, and it's also a prayer that we would just challenge each other through each one of you listening to these different conversations. We have 13 um, different episodes this season. And my prayer is that you not only listen to these conversations, but go take it to your community so that we can be having these conversations that matter so much to our God and to being disciples and serving each other well. So with that being said, I'm so excited. Our first podcast is actually with my brother, which is such a privilege and an honor. So I'm going to let him introduce himself, and then we are going to get into such a fruitful conversation on special needs ministry in the church. Take it away. Yeah. So as my uh, sister just said, I am her older brother. My name <laughs> is Scott Shaw, and um, just really excited to be sitting down here and talking about a different church, talking mm -hmm. about a church that goes after God's heart for the least of these, for every child, for every teen, for every adult with special needs. It's just so important that the church values this if we want to become the future church and the church that I believe God is beginning to design and create right now in this mm -hmm. moment. So beautiful. Why don't we just start it off? Tell us a little bit about your testimony and the way God has really shaped um, your heart for the special needs community, for sharing that love with other people, especially the church. Yeah, I think there's a beauty, whether you call it testimony or your story or your life's narrative, because it is a narrative. It is your story. Mm -hmm. And it's not just a place um, where we build upon chapter by chapter. But I think what God's taught me as I've begun to reflect more and more is this idea is there's also prologues and epilogues and introductory mm -hmm. paragraphs that build into your story as well. So yeah. where I would start my story at initially was this idea that when we first moved here 17 years ago, mm -hmm. there was this beauty to having a friend who had three brothers with autism. Right. And those were the building blocks. But just even a mere two years ago, just reflecting, though, my very first friend with special needs came when I was six or seven, and his name was Alex Robbins. And mm. so God planted a seed that I didn't even recognize in that wow. moment through just a mere friendship. Mm -hmm. And now seeing how that friendship has built to more friendships and families yeah. and siblings, that's kind of where my heart first began to say, hey, God has something for me. I may not recognize it as God based on where I was at in my faith, right. but God has something and he's planted it in my heart mm. and I'm going to seek after it when he's opened up my eyes, when he's guided my steps, mm. when I've chosen to tune my ears to actually to see uh, and hear his voice in the matter. And so right. uh, through Alex, through the Valinskys, uh, I just began pouring more and more into God's children. And then through that, it presented these opportunities to pour in the children with special needs. And mm. I remember so vividly 
junior, senior year, I began serving uh, in the same ministry I get to lead now at Bayside yeah. Church. And we were just going through one of their respite nights where parents get to drop their child their teen, their adult with special needs off for two and a half, three hours. And they get to go clean the house, put their feet up, just rest, go on a date night, you name mm-hmm. it. There's a ripple effect that pours into them as we're pouring into their child. And so yeah. we were just going through it as a Bible study and we were leading each child and teen through an obstacle course. And at the end of every single obstacle, they would get a ring a little bell. And at the mm-hmm. very end, we would support them as they got to kick a soccer ball into the net. And we were just talking about this idea that you can't get through challenges without God. And so mm-hmm. through that relationship, through that friendship with Alex, through the Valinskis, through this respite kids night out experience Mm -hmm. that kind of really pushed me to say, okay, I'm going to enter into a new season. I'm going to enter into my college experience and I'm going to really dive into, okay, what would it look like to have a calling within either the church or organization revolving around kids with special needs. And um, God led me to St. Mary's College where I was a psychology major with an emphasis in child development. And it was kind of an interesting season I was going through my sophomore, junior year um, where our grandmother had been diagnosed with breast cancer. And so that had kind of put me on a path of just being stationary, stationary with my life, stationary with my faith, stationary with the people around me. And so through that, I kind of come into a a season of bitterness, come into a season where I wasn't hearing or seeing God the way I used to. Mm -hmm. And so he led me to the Dominican Republic on a missions trip. And through that experience, God just washed away all the bitterness. Mm -hmm. He opened up my eyes. He cleared away the fog. He had me step into a new season where the moment I got home, I got a call from my buddy. And it's like, Scott, I have an opportunity for you. And we have a high schooler with autism. He's coming back to our school. He needs a one-on-one aid. And I think you would be terrific with him. And it was just such a cool thing to see the fruit of what happened just Mm -hmm. a week prior move into a place of, I would never have thought of teaching or even being a teacher's assistant within the realm of special education. Mm -hmm. And that was just the beginning and uh, began going on more and more mission trips. And that led me to January of 2015. I got to go to the DR for the entire month. Mm -hmm. And my main prayer going into that time was God, like, just give me the clarity. Let me hear your voice. Let me see your truth and the fruit of where um, you've already brought me from and where you're going to bring me. And he uh, presented child and teen and adult with special needs day after day after day and really led me to a place of, okay, I'm seeking out this clarity. Am I supposed to move here for three years? Am I supposed to work with the ministry, the plant, special needs ministries within the church, work with the education system there and work with the teachers to say, hey, how can we create these support structures? How we can how can we create a special education plan for some of these kids in this country that are viewed differently, um, whose families are viewed differently? And so he led me to Emmanuel. And Emmanuel was Haitian. He was adopted by a wonderful family there and he's blind, deaf, nonverbal. And he was just a perfect person that God led me to after what had already been an amazing trip. And so 
I had spent all my quiet time with him leading up um, to those final days in the DR. And I remember that very first evening, I was just reading my Bible, reading my devotional to him. And at the end, he had sat up. And I remember going over and laying my hand on him and just praying that, hey, God, even though he cannot see, I pray that he sees you daily. Even though he cannot hear, I pray that he hears you daily. And I mean, Emmanuel means God with us. Mm -hmm. And God was most certainly with Emmanuel. And just being able to sing worship songs to him afterwards and knowing that even though he may not have heard it in the way that we hear music or seen how I was singing to him in the ways that we may see um, during our experiences in worship, like the way his head bobbed, the way his body swayed, it was as if he was worshiping alongside me. Wow. It just moved me to tears and it was just such a beautiful experience where um, I knew God was there Mm because when two or more gather, God is there. And it was just a great um, means to look at who God was bringing into my life, Mm -hmm. their influence in my life and how they would not only draw me closer to God, but they would draw me closer to my greater calling. Yeah, absolutely beautiful. So neat. And so tell us a little bit about your role now at Bayside. What does that look like? And really, you know, you shared before we even hopped on this as there's different just hopes you have for not only your, the current situations and circumstances at churches, but also for the future church. So let's dive into that next. Absolutely. So I've been in ministry for about two years now. Um, I taught for four years before being truly called into ministry, and I am currently the special needs pastor at Bayside Church in Sacramento, California. And it's just been a uh, a really fruitful season. It's been a hard season because I was just sitting down with a volunteer the other day and talking about, well, what are some of the challenges you've experienced these last two years? And mm-hmm. I think there's an emotional bandwidth that comes with shepherding. And at sometimes, and sometimes as a church, we miss that shepherding component, um, whether it's a capacity issue with our time, capacity mm-hmm. issue uh, with the structure of our lifestyle, a capacity issue um, with how we choose to structure, quote unquote, what is ministry. Mm-hmm. And so there's been a great stretch in my emotional bandwidth because you have to be there. You have to be present. It's so much more than building a weekend game plan. It's yeah. a weekly um, intentional mindset said of, okay, I'm going to connect with this family today. I'm going to connect with this volunteer. I'm going to see this volunteer who might have special needs themselves Mm -hmm. make an impact in the lives of these kids and these teens and these adults who step through our doorway. And so I think the emotional bandwidth and also looking at what truly is ministry, because Mm -hmm. we think of ministry as always being involved inside the four walls of a church. But for a ministry such as ours and a ministry uh, and in in this new age ministry mindset, we have to look at, okay, what could ministry be Mm -hmm. if we looked outside the working definition of what culture says, what the kind of traditional church says. Mm -hmm. And so just looking at, well, no, it means house visits. It means phone calls. It means meeting up one-on-one and actually being a listening ear, not Mm -hmm. uh, the go in just to give advice or give encouragement, which could or could not be expected, but no, it's a listening ear. It's knowing that, Hey, in a season where I've gotten texts where they felt isolated, where they felt alone, where, well, everyone else is able to go outside because there's something for them, their daughter or their son 
can't get the vaccine yet. They can't get this. They can't mm-hmm. get that. And so that takes them out of um, being able to be a part of what everyone else is doing yeah. and into a place of, well, where do we belong? Mm-hmm. That is so beautiful. Tell us just um, some success stories from the last two years of, I mean, you've shared some with me and, and one, they make me proud of you, but two, they're also a testimony to when you are so authentically and passionately wanting to not just show who God is and his love, but really embody it. So what have been some just neat success stories over the last two years? I mean, I think the fact that we have grown during a pandemic Mm -hmm. is, uh, I mean, we are just so grateful for what God's doing because that takes God's hand on it and nothing else on it. Mm -hmm. And so being able to press his hand upon the vision and the mission of our ministry um, has been so cool because we've seen our numbers triple in the last two years. And even Mm -hmm. though not everyone's back, even though it's not always about the numbers to see all these different open doors and these families come into a place where they belong, where they feel welcomed Mm -hmm. and loved and empowered. I mean, those are our core three words. We want to welcome with open arms. Mm -hmm. We want them to feel loved by the father and we want them to be empowered to make a difference because Jesus didn't just make a difference. He was the difference. And so through that invitation, I got an amazing text the other day from one of our families who they're stepping back because of um, just the atmosphere currently surrounding um, the culture that we live in, but they'll be back when things become a little bit more safe for them. But um, they, they said this great line. They said, you guys have made such a difference in our daughter's lives. Mm -hmm. And that comes through the invitation because the invitation makes a difference. Jesus is the difference. And so I think looking at the core success of kind of the growth mindset and how we're trying to grow as ministry comes not from, and I was thinking about this the other day, it comes not from the health of the leader, but the health of the vision. Mm -hmm. And what is the vision of your ministry? What is the vision of your workplace? What is the vision of your lifestyle that whether you're leading it um, and having it be about Jesus or not, like everyone has this vision that they hope to accomplish in their lives. And so I think there's a beauty to having a healthy vision, especially within ministry. Mm -hmm. And so that's why when I first came into ministry, we were doing our breakaway kids camp and we saw over 120 kids with special needs get to experience Mm -hmm. uh, breakaway that summer. I remember just sitting on a couch. I know you can't see it, but there's a couch (laughs) right next to us that I was sitting on. And I was just Mm -hmm. kind of praying like, God, what do you want the vision of our ministry to be? And he just led me uh, to the story of Zacchaeus and um, imagine this no longer COVID crowds are booming Mm -hmm. and there's a great crowd that has gathered because they're in high anticipation of Jesus coming to town Mm -hmm. and in the crowd with us, we have Zacchaeus, who is this tax collector. And it yeah. says in verse three, that even though he was short in stature, he made his way through the crowd mm-hmm. and he climbed up into the tree because he wanted to see who Jesus was. Wow. And I just think that's such a beautiful concept. Like, mm-hmm. do we make our way through the challenges, through the mountaintop moments, just so we can have this desire to even see who Jesus is. Wow. And so Jesus makes his way through the crowd and he invites Zacchaeus down and they go off to their home together. And I imagine being in the crowd with me and we're absolutely livid because we wouldn't, we didn't understand why would Jesus go sit with a sinner? 
And just as Zacchaeus was labeled a sinner, children and teens and adults with special needs are labeled every single day, unwanted, unloved, Mm -hmm. disruptive, non-compliant, aggressive. There's some label that whether it's from birth or now that they're an adult, there's a label that they have carried with them. And so that's why it's important for us when it comes to combating that label is, hey, we're not here to buy into the label. We are here to buy into the supportive structure that best allows them to meet Jesus. Mm -hmm. And so for us, I mean, just being in the crowd in that moment, we get so caught up with our own reactions Mm -hmm. that we miss the observation. Because if we observed what Jesus did, the first thing he did was he invited Zacchaeus down. Mm -hmm. And it's just so cool because it just takes that one invitation. It just takes that one moment. Because at the end of that portion of scripture, they come out and Jesus says, hey, salvation has come to this home today. And Mm -hmm. Zacchaeus's life was changed forever. And so that's why we are a invite to encounter culture, Mm -hmm. our ministry, our team, our staff, we exist to be the invitation so that every child, every teen, every adult with special needs can encounter Jesus Mm -hmm. exactly where they're at. Yeah. Not where we want them to be, not where the school wants them to be, Mm -hmm. but exactly where they're at. And I think there's a beautiful kind of swap in the narrative too, because that's an invitation to us. Mm -hmm. It's an invitation to us as followers of Jesus. It's an invitation to the church. It's an invitation um, to these families as well, where Jesus is going to make his way through the crowd. Your name does not need to be Zacchaeus for him to go through the crowd and make his way through these moments and these Mm. voices that we have that are speaking um, a lack of truth into our lives. But he is seeking after us in a very powerful way because he wants to invite us down. He wants Mm. us to sit at the table. He wants us to make a seat at the table for him. And so that's kind of one of the invitations of three. I'll be kind of going into more as we continue this conversation. But that first invitation is not only the vision, which I believe molds the mission of our ministry, Mm -hmm. um, but it's the vision that gives way to the invitation for you and I to come take our seat at the table. So beautiful. Let's go um, back in that answer. You were talking about all the different labels we put on special needs, children, adults, Um, and that can be outside of, you know, the Christian community as well as inside of it. How do we begin to shift that narrative and see these beautiful human beings as just as worthy as we are, who don't have those same disabilities of God's love? How do we show people that? How do we shift the narrative and have this important conversation with everybody? I think there's a there's a complex answer to it and then there's a simple answer to it and i think the simple side of it especially within our ministry is Mm -hmm. start small yeah start with this one-on-one buddy system where Mm -hmm. you are investing your time in prayer for these kids you are investing your time um, in serving these kids Mm -hmm. and you are going in with a mindset that so many take on, well, I'm going in to make an impact. Mm. And so you know, you're going to make an impact, but I don't think at the beginning, I sure didn't Mm -hmm. at the beginning, you don't know the impact they're going to make on you. And so I think starting 
with just being a buddy, starting with being in this one-on-one -on -one friendship mm -hmm. that you're developing where maybe they are in a more uh, sensory friendly room, or maybe they're integrated within the ministry. They're integrated um, by wiping down tables or greeting people as they come into a restaurant. Yeah. There's different things relationally that just takes one person saying yes mm -hmm. to coming alongside them. Yeah. And I think God uses that friendship for you to learn the different lessons you're supposed to learn that grow towards better understanding how can we combat the label and step more into a healthy friendship in which we actually learn not only the support structures through getting to know their hearts, but we learn the support structures that we need um, to be better at um, and healthier in um, as we're building this just as a community in general. Mm -hmm. And I think for me, that support structure was hope. I mean, a interaction with a child or a teen or adult with special needs was the hope I didn't think I needed. Mm -hmm. And so just looking at what they've been able to teach me about joy, yeah. time in the word, contentment, um, being able to love those who misunderstand you. Mm -hmm. um, there's so many different lessons that yeah, have created wow. healthy views of mm -hmm. um, support in my life that I can now take and create other healthy support structures in my team's life yeah. and then in our ministry's life as well absolutely that's so good um what about let's go into your second invitation what does that look like so second invitation is i told you guys about emmanuel at the beginning of our time together and that was January 2015. So mm -hmm. you fast forward to a three week trip uh, to India. We did a mission trip with one of my uh, really good friends and mentors nonprofit. And that's where God said, hey, Scott, I don't want you to just uh, move to the DR and partner with the ministry there mm -hmm. to plant these ministries and these education um, educational trainings. But I want you to start your own nonprofit where you go to mm -hmm. countries like the DR, where you go to countries like Haiti, Honduras, Costa Rica, and you are partnering and you are training with mm -hmm. the churches and the pastors and the leaders yeah. and the teachers on how, as we talked about before, how can we best empower you so you can empower the least of these and make a difference. And so mm -hmm. that grew into this idea of, okay, if Emmanuel's the second most influential person I've ever met in my life next to Jesus, why not name it after him? And mm -hmm. so Emmanuel's Light is the name of my future nonprofit. Yeah. And it will primarily start in Haiti and expand and grow from there. And yeah. so um, I remember being in Costa Rica two years later, and I was just thinking about Emmanuel and how he had impacted my life and mm -hmm. why Emmanuel's Light. Why are we training these pastors and leaders and teachers? Why is it important that we're planting these ministries mm -hmm. and these classrooms within the community? And uh, he led me to another portion of Luke, Luke 14, 12 through 14. And you and I were sitting around the table and we're game planning with Jesus and we're game planning this great banquet. Mm -hmm. And we're going to invite everyone we know. I'm talking family members. I'm talking friends, even the even some acquaintances, we're inviting everybody. And mm -hmm. after we've given Jesus our list of people we're going to invite, he stops us and says, no, 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 no. I don't want you inviting your family members or your friends because mm -hmm. they'll just invite you over and that debt will be repaid. That invitation will be nulled. Mm -hmm. I want you inviting the poor and the crippled and the blind because mm -hmm. in verse 14, it says you will be 
blessed. Mm -hmm. So the idea of being the invitation is not just a welcome home movement. Yeah. It's this forever blessing for us mm -hmm. because we are the ones being changed through how they are accepting the invitation that unfortunately mm -hmm. at this time we have to hand out. And so it's not something that they can just fully walk into confidently saying, this is for me. It's something we have to present because one, one, it not only blesses us, but also we have to be that piece that plays a change in the culture. We have to be the one who's able to actually see um, that their names are written on the backs of these chairs, that this table is meant mm. for them to sit down, that this is exactly a reflection of Jesus's heart and what he's asking us to do, not only as a church, but I believe as a community and within our lives. And so there's a beauty to that. And so I think that um, really helped, like I was talking about earlier, the yeah. vision molds the mission. So it really helped having that healthy vision mm -hmm. paired with Emmanuel's like God began to develop more and more of what could be. And so um, it then turned from, okay, he's calling me to a nonprofit to, okay, now he's calling me to set the table and send out the invites and bring in the poor and the crippled and the blind, knowing that a blessing will happen through mm -hmm. that. And so um, I remember being in Haiti a year after that and just thinking, well, you can't just invite people to uh, to take their seat in the middle of a field. Like, what's mm. next? How are we going to continue to develop this God? What else do you want to see this become? And right. so he began to put up walls and a roof and a, a front door. And so it mm -hmm. became this home that's going to be on a hill overlooking Cap Haitian Haiti, which is on mm. the northern coast. And there's going to be a welcome home sign in Creole. Wow. And so every single time they come up to the doorstep, and they look up to that sign in Creole, they get to see that it reads welcome home. Mm -hmm. And it won't just be a place where we sit down and break bread and it's a safe haven for them. But Manuel's light is going to be that light as well, mm -hmm. where we not only break bread, but we look at, okay, who are we going to go and love today? What yeah parts of the community that maybe cast you aside that mm -hmm. maybe you weren't ever allowed through the front door and how can we go and love them as well as okay we're going to be partnering with how can we invite you into the church how can we invite you into the school system how can we be that greater light within the community in a yeah. very um dark culture especially right. um within the communities revolving around haiti and so uh that, i think that's that second invitation so it's not only your invitation and my invitation it's their invitation mm. and so that gives way to knowing that it's not just about us getting invited by jesus but it's about us being used by god to invite the people he wants to take their seat at the table within the church amen that's so good i've been thinking a lot about the table too actually and just this idea that scripture tells us that the lord prepares a place at the table in the presence of our enemies and that for some may be confusing, but it's actually a huge piece of encouragement and in, in just the idea, even in terms of talking about the special needs community of their families and really showing our enemies who speak that we don't have the value that we truly have, that we don't have the belonging, that we are crippled and too needy and too broken, all these things that the world and Satan would use to keep us um, away from becoming healed and transformed by the gospel and by Jesus. It's so sweet and really just a precious truth that God 
would show our enemies not our power to overcome the things that are said of us that are untrue, but to really show his power that in our weakness, his strength is made perfect. And that's a good thing because we couldn't handle all the power it takes to make us heal, to make us strong. And so I think that's just another aspect of it. That's an encouragement. And, you know, who knows when we're, um, you know, have that seat at the table in the presence of our enemies, maybe that's the opportunity where their heart can shift of, I was wrong. Let me repent. I want what they have. I want this God who's sitting next to them. What does that look like? What does that mean? Hmm. So beautiful. Um, what about our third invitation? So it's, so for me, it goes, it's our, it's our invitation is their invitation. And now it's the church's invitation. Mm. And so we wake up, we let dad sleep in. We're excited for the day. You let him sleep in. I, I let him sleep pancakes. in. You wanted pancakes. I wanted the omelet. <laughs> we took it to go. Uh-huh. And uh, we want to go to this place where Jesus is just speaking to a packed house mm-hmm. and you can hardly get in at all. And so yeah. even at six, four and six, two, mom would say six, three and six, five, <laughs> but even at our height, we're looking on from the doorway at yeah. this jam packed house. And, uh, we turn around cause we get distracted for a moment and we see these friends and these friends are bringing in a paralyzed man. And because mm-hmm. it's so packed, they can't get him in. And so they have to go through the roof and down to mm-hmm. set him at the feet of Jesus. And I just love that because Jesus heals him. And I think the impact it has is you see the response of the people because yeah. everyone was amazed because it says that extraordinary things have happened that day. Mm-hmm. And the beauty of that is not only that Jesus performed this amazing miracle, but the beauty of that is sometimes it's not about the miracle. Mm-hmm. It's about how our hearts are changed by the miracle. Right. And so these people's hearts were changed in an incredible way mm-hmm. through these friends who chose up to take up the corners of the mat and to yeah. bring their friend to Jesus. And I just mm-hmm. remember reflecting on it at a breakfast with my mentor and what a beautiful blessing it is that God's spoken to my heart and spoken to so many hearts when mm-hmm. it comes to the life of someone with special needs, because it's such a gift that I'm so grateful for. Because I think about um, when he first called uh, the initial disciples to lay down their nets and follow him, like, I got to lay down my own nets when Mm -hmm. I first began to follow Jesus, so I could pick up his mats, so I could pick up his children and his teens and his adults with special needs Mm -hmm. who are there and they're making an impact, but they need that first initial pull from God's people to bring them to a place where not only God's going to meet them exactly where he's at, Mm -hmm. but the people are going to be changed by that encounter Jesus is having with them. And I think it's just so cool that It's not about racing to the four walls of the church to take your seat. It's about racing to the four corners of the mat to pick Mm. someone up. And I think recognizing in myself and my mentor said it so well, like in my own brokenness, I'm still that person on the mat. Mm. I'm still that person that each child and teen and adult, and even those I haven't met with special needs yet Mm -hmm. are the ones carrying me to Jesus every single day. And just, I was thinking about the other day, what if we flipped the narrative as Mm -hmm. a church? What if we replace things around and not to um, rewrite the Bible, but what if that room was packed with people with special needs? Mm -hmm. What if that room was packed with the least of these and Jesus was speaking to them and 
we were outside the church because we were trying to figure out how does this fit the mold of what we're supposed to be doing? Cause yeah. I want to get in there. I want to see Jesus too. Yeah. And who are we bringing there? And so what if we're the ones picking up the mat and bringing the church to mm. Jesus? What if we're finding every means necessary to get through this amazing crowd mm. of people with special needs so that we can bring the church to Jesus? Yeah. And what if that's something that these kids, these teens, these adults with special needs have been waiting for. They've been waiting for the church to get up. They've been waiting for the church to come to a place where it's brought to Jesus, is brought to the heart of Jesus, is brought to the place where these kids, whether they're nonverbal or not, are in amazement because they're recognizing that something extraordinary is happening today in the church. And it doesn't have to be a Bayside or a Bridgeway or a Destiny. It can be any church. It's the capital C church that's actually being brought there in the first place and what if we saw that movement through Mm -hmm. accepting our invitation as the church knowing that he also invited the least of these he also invited us into the fold of what he's trying to do oh that's so good wow how do you see um how do you see the church big capital c church hindered and growing special needs ministry. I know for me, I was amazed when you told me how many kids you have within your ministry. And my immediate thought was, I didn't even know there were that many special needs kids in the community. How do you see, not even maybe locally and nationally, but also globally, what have we done that is detrimental and hinders special needs kids, adults, family members from coming to the church? I think... And amazingly enough, and this is what I truly believe, because at times I can assume the worst, but I think this is what I truly believe. A lot of churches actually want to have a special needs ministry. Mm -hmm. They have the heart for it, but it's a means of resources, space, Mm -hmm. and just giving it a shot. Yeah, because they're ready for the opportunity. But at times they either don't have the resources or they don't have the support or they don't have the space or they don't have the means. So I think not trying can sometimes be the detriment Yeah, because there are so many doors that are closed that the invitation allows to be open. And so I remember I was writing up a training we were doing for our volunteers and uh, my wife, Claire, she edits all my content. And uh, she was like, do you want to phrase it this way? Or I was thinking of phrasing it that way. And so for us, we exist not just to be the ones opening the door, but we are the open door. And so knowing our role as the open door, um, just being in that position allows us to try like just even the cracked door is an opportunity for the church to step into. And so I think that's why it's so important that we're rolling out what we call the four pillars. Mm -hmm. So it's school connection, it's family care, it's events, and it's church partnership. Mm -hmm. And we believe if we capture these four pillars, we unlock God's heart for the future of special needs ministries, not only in this area, but across the state and hopefully across the nation, because it is so important. And within those four pillars comes your invitation, comes their invitation. It comes the church's invitation because we want to be able to partner with these churches. We are not the answer, but there is a competitive culture surrounding, okay, we need to get to this, um, accolade first we need to get to this amount of people first we need Mm -hmm. to do this or that 
first, but it's a partnership. It's not right. this um, competitive culture uh, that the community needs. It's a mm. partnership that the community needs. Yeah. And so looking at this idea of, okay, how can we best partner with those who want to try? And how can we be an encouragement through what we have to offer for others to try through the success that we're seeing just by merely saying, hey, we want to come alongside you. We are not the answer. We are not trying to be the answer. But these are simple steps. These are different ways. I would love to stop by. I would love to have a Zoom call. I would love to make this a open door conversation that we can continue to have because I believe that our partnership is stronger to produce these kingdom wins than anything else. Mm, amen. Um, I think in terms of it's interesting. I love that you and I have both gotten the opportunities to go abroad. And I was thinking specifically of when I was in Tanzania, we were doing this eyeglass clinic and a little girl came in with albinism and there was quite a large albino population within just uh, the surrounding uh, community that we were partnering with. And we were talking to the pastors of the church and just even the partners within the community who were also serving at this clinic. And they were talking about how children and adults with albinism hide oftentimes because the community finds that they are that way because of witchcraft and black magic and, and things of the devil. And often their life is on the line. Uh, and I just think of all the various kinds of disabilities that are prevalent in life and humanity, how do we create safe spaces, not even just in the church, but in people's homes um, to where people feel like they can come out of hiding? I think for me, it's buying in to a lot of stock when it comes to inclusion. Mm. And I remember journaling uh, over the summer, this idea that inclusion is the mold that will build the future church. Mm. And so, I mean, you can fill in the blank for the people that are in leadership that um, you follow, that you serve with. But if you took their hearts, if you took the hearts of everyone who oversees every single campus, mm. every single ministry, both on Sundays and during the week, if you took all their hearts and poured it into this mold, and popped it out, how inclusive would you be? Mm. And so I think I was thinking about this on the way over. I was thinking about this idea of, okay, we look at the percentage of how close are we to 100% capacity? Mm. Well, what if we shifted that mindset to not filling seats? Because filling seats is just a means to um, fill seats. It's a task. Mm -hmm. But what if we filled seats for the kingdom? What if we looked at, okay, not how much of our capacity have we filled, but what percentage of inclusion are we committed to? What right. kind of percentage of inclusion have we accomplished this week, this month, this year? Because the closer we get to 100, the closer we get to this idea of a different church, a right. church designed after God's own heart, a church mm -hmm. that is a reflection of his heart for those who get to experience it. And it's this beautiful thing that I don't think we're close enough to. I yeah. think if you were to take all the amazing organizations and churches and just our families are amazing. If you were to take our families and you were to take the schools that are doing such an amazing job, mm -hmm. even that 
from an inclusion standpoint, I don't think we would add up to 100% yet. And mm. so I think recognizing that the inclusion is important because of how we choose to live out the invitation. So that's why it's important to recognize that I can't hand out the invitation if I don't know I'm invited. I can't invite the church if they don't recognize that these kids, these teens, these adults are the ones that Jesus within scripture yeah. are inviting to the table to be a part of what we're trying to accomplish for the kingdom. It would be a huge kingdom win to see inclusion mm. at 100% no matter where you're at in the community. Right, absolutely. So as we're kind of wrapping up, let's um, just talk about what does the future church look like? What do you envision it? What has God, you know, clearly told you? And what are just some hopes you have? I think being someone who would call himself a visionary just based on kind of what God's shown me already about Manuel's light and what Manuel's light has formed into be. I think I've told you this joke before. If it was my heart, it'd be a sandwich bar and Bora Bora with my feet in the sand. It would be a beautiful really experience. Grilled cheese bar. Grilled exactly. cheese bar. <laughs> and it would be so much of my heart, but it would lack God's heart. So mm -hmm. I think the reason that it has kind of come to where it's at and I can see more and more of it is because I've stuck to the fact that this is all God's. God chose to share this with me. He didn't have to share it with me. He chose to share it with me. And so I cherish that call. I cherish what I get as a shepherd. And so I think through what God's already shown me and through this idea of a home with a welcome home sign mm -hmm. and sitting around the table, it helped shift my mindset because as visionaries, sometimes we like to get ahead of ourselves and think future, future, future rather than present. So I mm -hmm. think um, one of the huge teachings that God taught me on my second trip in 2018 uh, to Haiti was that, hey, his promises are made known in the present. And so he gave me this big vision. He had me meet Emmanuel mm -hmm. and then trip after trip, as he gave me more and more of the details, right. he took me down peg after peg after peg mm -hmm. until I was able to lay in the present at his feet. And wow. so I think for me, it's not so much what does the future church look like, but what can I do? Mm -hmm. What do I need to set right? to be ready? What do I need to take right. more seriously to be ready for that moment for just a glimpse of what that will look like? Because mm -hmm. if he's already shown me this, he's going to show me that because yeah. I want to be bought into what he's speaking into my heart. Mm -hmm. And so I think for me, I mean, I was looking at, um, and don't judge me, but we were rewatching Game of Thrones and in Game <laughs> of Thrones, there's uh, all these blacksmiths. And I think it was really cool as encouraging our volunteer team during the summer with this is they melt down all these weapons and these armors and they pour it into a fresh mold mm -hmm. and they have to make sure they pour it perfectly yeah. for it to set right. Because once mm -hmm. it sets right, you're able to move on to the next step. And mm -hmm. so looking at my life and what do I need to melt down? What do I need to pour perfectly into this mold? Yeah. What do I need to set right and take more seriously? Because mm -hmm. I, I mean... I was listening to a sermon a couple months ago and it was on the feeding of the 5,000 and uh, what a beautiful miracle that's talked about um, in scripture and just a wonderful representation of um, kind of what he used that little boy to do just mm -hmm. through his lunch. And yeah. so um, I just looked at this idea of, okay, 
what do I need to take more seriously? What do I need to set right? Because he gave me this image of 5,000 open doors in the community. Mm. And it may not be in this community. It may be in a community where I'm not a part of it, or it may be in a community where we move to later in life. But this idea of 5,000 open doors, 5,000 new families coming to church and Mm -hmm. their faces were blurred, but there was 5,000 people set up ready to hear an amazing story for their kid or their teen or their adult with special needs Mm -hmm. by our children's pastor. And then being able to hear a little bit of encouragement from me for the parents, because we do believe we're in the ripple effect business. So how we pour into the kids and the teens and the adults pours into the parents, which pours into the siblings. And so Mm -hmm. looking at this idea of, wow, could you imagine on a random Saturday or Sunday, or even during the week when you're working in the office, seeing 5,000 new families Mm. who have a child or maybe multiple children with special needs coming to church. And if I'm not taking serious what I need to, if I'm not setting right what I need to, just to be a part of one of those open doors, then I'm missing being a part of what God's building towards. And Mm. I want to be a part of it. I want to see how that's going to change my life forever just by being present Mm -hmm. rather than futuristic. Absolutely. That's awesome. So as we wrap up, what are some, and it doesn't have to be two or three, it can be however many you want, but what are some just practical pieces of encouragement for, you know, you talked about the three different invitations. So what are some practical pieces of encouragement for one person, for a family, for our community and church? How can we start moving closer to all these just pieces of totally anointed truth you've spoken during this time of how can we move towards that? I think whether it's a organization or the church, I think there's two things. I think giving your time towards prayer, be Mm -hmm. praying for these families, be praying uh, for their siblings, be praying for these kids and teens and adults with special needs. So I think giving your time towards prayer Mm -hmm. um, goes way beyond giving your money to these ministries to get started. Um, Also giving your time through serving. Mm -hmm. Uh, Even if you don't think that there's a kid within your church, I would almost guarantee you there is. Mm -hmm. And just like we don't bind to the label, we bind to the support structures. There may be a kid who has trouble sitting during a story. There may be a kid who needs you to bring a fidget toy or to invest a little bit of your money to buy him a headphone Mm -hmm. um, that can tune out some of the noise that bothers him. There may be someone who just needs to hang out with them for a little bit longer before you transition to the next activity. Mm -hmm. And so I think everything... Uh, healthy begins in a place of prayer because that will always be the starting line, not the finish line. And Mm so starting by giving your time to prayer, moving into a place of giving your time through serving, um, I would say being proactive with asking the right questions, Mm -hmm. um, asking your church, asking your community, um, asking the organizations you partner with. Um, But I think... For me, one of the most important things, I'm just trying to piece my words as I think about it. Um, I think looking at, sorry, I lost it for a sec. (laughs) 
shoot, I actually did lose it. Uh, <laughs> Next. <laughs> yeah, we can no, cut this. Come back to. Yeah. Um, but no, I think okay, it's, yeah. it's prayer, it's service, it's asking the right questions. Um, yeah, that final won't come back to me, but, um, <laughs> no, it's just so important to actually mm. just be present in it, knowing yeah. that, um, you have a role in it. And I think knowing that your words have power too, mm-hmm. whether it meets the actual feelings, the uh, expected feelings, the presumed feelings. And I think that's what it really comes down to. Like, mm-hmm. how are you speaking um, into your church? How are you speaking into families who may not speak up for themselves, mm-hmm. who feel isolated, who feel like um, there's not a place for their child? How are you creating um, that space that says, no, you are not alone. We actually have a space for your child. Mm-hmm. Um, we have these amazing team members who want to come alongside your teen. We have um, amazing organizations that we're partnering with that mm-hmm. they can be a part of too. And yeah. so um, there's this greater sense of belonging that everybody wants, everyone desires and needs. And so really unlocking that as, hey, this is a place to belong because we're creating the space. Mm. We're making this an intentional step that we take daily to involve our families and their thoughts and their feelings and kind of to create not only the invitation, but to create what we're trying to do with the four pillars, a place Mm. where everything is connected in such a unique and special way that builds um, the future church that builds a different church. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Well, thank you so much for just sharing your heart and just uh, just your great hope and expectation for the church to show up as the church, as Jesus, um, and really to point everything back to God. Would you mind just closing us out in prayer as we keep on with whatever we're doing today? I would love that. Dear Heavenly Father, just thank you for conversations about a different church. Thank you for your design and your call and your invitation, not only to us, Lord, uh, but to the least of these and to your church, Lord. I just pray that this would be heard not for our glory, but for the kingdom's glory, Lord. Mm-hmm. that this would reach to the places um, both globally and locally uh, where after such a hard season that we continue to be in after 18 months, uh, that there would be a hope, that there would be a belonging, that there would be an open door, mm-hmm. um, an open door out of 5,000, out of whatever, uh, however many doors you are choosing to open in this season, Lord. We just pray that we would lean in to connecting with these schools, we would lean in to caring for these families, we would lean into the events that are an extension of our ministry, that we would lean into these church partnerships, because we were not only invited, they're invited as well, and the church is invited to be a part of it, because you have such a great desire within your amazing design mm-hmm. for your children to be a part of something that's never been done before. So we are so grateful for these conversations, we're grateful for the time together mm-hmm. um, spent talking about the future and what you have in store for us, Lord. So we thank you. We love you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. What a amazing beginning to this season. I just pray um, just those same things um, that Scotty just said of, of belonging, of knowing that we wear so many different hats in our lifetime, and yet God, our best identity, and really are one that we should prize the most is the fact that we are a child of God, that he cares so deeply and has just such a tender 
but also powerful father heart for us. So I just, I myself pray that over you today as you're listening, whether you're watching it on, um, on this Friday or one, you know, six months from now, we, uh, it's really just our heart that you would encounter, um, the God that loves you so much. So looking forward to just spending, the next 12 Fridays with all of you who are listening, thank you for engaging in these conversations. And we just hope that you're able to bring them um, into your families and your circles and your churches. So have a great week, everybody, and we'll catch you next time.